All right, let's get going. Happy Thursday afternoon. All right, almost there, Shabbos. We're almost there. So this week's Parsha is Parsha's Nitzavim. Nitzavim Vayela Chazinu V'zayis HaBrocha. Now we're at Simchus Terra. How's that? How's that? So uh, getting everybody ready for, um, for Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, and uh, Sukkot through Simchus Terra. Here we go. So I just want to uh, begin with, we'll give a introduction to Parsha Sitzavim. Now last week's Parsha ended off with Parsha's Kisavo, which was primarily, the focus was really the rebuke, the tochacha, um, that was coming to warn us about the responsibilities that we have to make sure to choose good, to choose to do the right thing, which is, by definition, choosing life. So Moshe gathers us all together in the beginning of this week's parsha to do to be makabel to accept arvus. Arvus means responsibility. We're obligated to be responsible not only for ourselves but to be responsible for each other. Now, to what extent? It's a very broad statement. I'm responsible for everybody. You can't be responsible for everybody. Can't I can't control myself? How am I supposed to control uh, the person next to me? That's an that's an impossibility. So responsibility really starts with oneself. And the Medrash says that Moshe, when he gathered the entire nation together, really grouped everybody according to their responsibilities. This is very interesting. The Medrash says the children were grouped with their classmates, so to speak, like the kids their age. And um, if you'd have somebody who had the ability to be like a leader of the people... So they were with a broader group. And then there were uh, cliques, good cliques, within that group where people were able, were taking their own responsibility. But everybody was shown at that time that, you know, you're not responsible to do everything. But you are responsible to do what you could do. And that is what we call the din of Arvis, where we sign on as guarantors. We signed on the same way when you have a loan, one person borrows and other people sign on as guarantors as a guarantor to commit. So we signed on as guarantors that I'm going to take on responsibility. If I have an ability to impact the situation, I'm committing myself to do that on behalf of others. Okay. <clears throat> so no one was excluded for that gathering. The Medrash goes on to say, and Rashi quotes this, that he says, Atam Moshe says, you, all of you, every single Jew is here today so that no Jew in later generation could say, yeah, but by the way, my grandfather overslept and he didn't accept the responsibility like anybody else. He was the one guy who didn't make it to the, didn't make it on time, right? And therefore in my family, we're not there. No, no, Moshe says, Kolchem, all of you are here. Kolchem, Lefnei Hashem Alekechem, Rashechem, Shiftechem, Zeknechem, Shaitrechem, Kolish Yisrael. Every single, every single member of Klal Yisrael was there. Okay? So, the, um, we're coming off an interesting springboard where you have all these, uh, all these rebukes and warnings. And Rashi says that we got very scared and we said, you know, who could do this? This is, this is an overwhelming challenge. It's an overwhelming challenge. And if you think about it, like, really, I'm responsible. I, it's seriously the moment you try to take responsibility for somebody else, it bites you in the foot. It, you're just kicking. You're like, seriously? Like, what, what does that even mean? It's too fluffy. It's too... Like, is, is that real life? There's so many times in our real life, it's just not going to be true. It's not. So what happened was, says Rashi, after the rebuke and all that, 
we started to take a step back. We all, we, the Jewish people, as call it mentally or physically, started getting nervous about this and they said, you know what? Maybe when we said Nasa Venishma, we will do and then we'll understand. Maybe that was too much. Maybe it was too much for us. Maybe it was a little bit of a mistake. So what happens when Moshe sees this? He says, Atem Nitzavimayom, all of you are standing here today, meaning don't worry about it. Yes, there's a rebuke, and yes, even there's issues that have come up previously, but you should know you're all still here. Ultimately, Klal Yisrael is not going anywhere. We're not going anywhere. We as individuals, we as a people, Yes, there's responsibility that comes with it, but look around and you'll see at the end of the day. As long as you look around, people, they've, they've gone through a lot of stuff in their life. And then you see them, you're like, you know what? You're making it. You're still, you're still doing it. Right? Not to be too morbid, but I like to quote um, when I was a counselor in Camp Naarim in Waymart, Pennsylvania. So Waymart, Pennsylvania is about a half hour drive from Scranton. So Scranton has a Jewish... Uh, uh, a Jewish funeral home. So that, I don't know if this guy's still around, but the hearse driver in Scranton, Wilkesbury, Pennsylvania, and the, his name is Chucky. It's Chucky. His name's Chucky. His name was Chucky. And whenever you ask Chucky, so he was the hearse driver. He was he was the official hearse driver. So if you ever ask Chucky how he was doing, it's like Chucky, how you doing? His response always was still riding up front. That was. <laughs> That was always it. I'm still riding up front. I'm, you know, it's, we're good. Now, this is somebody who's, I'm sure, been through a lot in his life. Sure been through a lot in his life. And going, right? But he's, he, my, my Shabbat says, your job is not to complete everything. That's not your job. Your job is to keep going and to, and to keep trying your best to ensure that, we, that ultimately we make it through and we do our best at least to fulfill our side of the responsibility. There's a fascinating, um, there's a fascinating, I'm trying to remember who's, who, who, uh, which Goddle, which Safer I saw this in. There's a Safer, and I'm going to have to look through a different part of my notes for this, uh, which says that the reason why we as a people are called Yehudi, we're called Yehudim, Jews, we're named after the tribe of Yehuda. How did that start? So we know Yehuda is also Yahu, right, is also Hodeh, to be grateful. That's, that's a very famous um, explanation of why, where the word Jew comes from. That the, within our kishkas, within our DNA, is to focus on the positive and to be grateful for things. There's another element that I saw, which has to do with the story of Joseph and his brothers that connects very much to this idea. When Yosef, when Joseph sent the brothers back, so they set up Binyamin, they put the goblet right in his sack, and they claimed that he was a uh, he was a thief. The whole thing was a setup to be able on Yosef's behalf to be able to get one of them into prison. Okay, what happens? So if you look at the verses, all the tri- all big big leaders they they have a very difficult time with it. They have a very difficult time, and they start crying. And then now, well, what's going to happen? What's going to be with our father? What's going to be with can't happen? It's terrible. All thing. except for one of them. And that was Yehuda. Yehuda didn't despair about the terrible surroundings that were about to, quote unquote, get rid of the future of Klal Yisrael. Imagine if you lost one tribe, right? What's going to be? So Yehuda, what happens? Yehuda steps up. 
Ve'yigash elav Yehuda. Yehuda steps forward and he says, it's not happening. It's not happening. It's impossible. And I forget which Sefer I saw this. And he says, it was that moment that Yehuda had the merit that we are called Yehudi, out of, after, named after Yehuda, because it is impossible for Klal Yisrael as a people to ever be wiped out. That's the nitzchis. That's the eternity of Klal Yisrael. There's, t- there's, no, there's no hope. You look around. There's nothing. There's no possibility. We're stuck. This kid's gone. Yeah. But Yehuda, he, he doesn't know what's going to happen. He's, that's it. He's gone. As the, you know, this really, uh, this concept really started from Avram Avinu. Hashem tells Avram, go out and count the stars. Right? How many stars are there? I'm putting up to it. <laughs> Not good. Very good. <laughs> All right. Very good. So, how many stars are there in the world? One quintillion sixty-four. Huh? I didn't hear the comment. I was. Okay. Here's the comment. So Hashem told Avram to go out and count the stars. So I asked Robinson Fields how many stars there are, and she correctly answered from the Gemara in Brachos. That tells us there's one quintillion, 64 quadrillion, 940 trillion stars that God made uh, in the world. And that's counted up by our sages in the Gemara and Brachas. So whoever thinks there's billions of stars is not even close. Um, and um, Hashem tells Adam to go count the stars. So what does he do? He goes counts the stars. Now, do you think he actually counted the stars? No. <laughs> He'd still be standing there. Right? He, he, he's not, obviously not going to, but Hashem told him, go count the stars. You know what he did? He went out and he started counting the stars. He didn't make it the whole way, but that didn't matter. Because that's not what life is. Nobody's making it the whole way, depending on what we think the ultimate goal is. Hashem tells me to, that this is my responsibility. It's my responsibility. I'll go start. I'll count the stars. I got up to five, to ten, to a hundred. I don't know how many ended up counting. And Hashem says to Avram, This is going to be your children. There is not, and there probably won't, uh, there won't be, because Hashem didn't make that many in the Shamas and Klal Yisrael, one quintillion, 64 quadrillion, 940 trillion Jews. Nah. So what does Hashem say? Ko So the commentators explain that if you, really the way to understand the story is not in numbers or anything other than action. Hashem tells Avram, go count. Avram goes and counts something that is impossible but he starts, and Hashem says, that's Klal Yisrael. That's Klal Yisrael. I give them a mitzvah to do. They, uh, we have a relationship. Yeah. Even when things seem to be impossible, it could ultimately work out. Now, does it always work out in the vision? No. Like we said, sometimes you, you, mom, you, you get kicked, and, and it hurts. And, uh, and not every situation is going to work. But as far as re- the ability to... Remain dignified The ability to remain staunch To remain upright And to keep moving on Even if we have to lick a wound Here and there That's automatic And it applies In things that happen In our personal life And it applies as well With our tshuva With our obligation To, to uh, perform tshuva The Sfarim teach us the, the Which Rebbe was this? Um, the Koshnitzer Magid. The Koshnitzer Magid says that, you know, the Rambam tells us there's three stages, there's three steps to do a full tshuva. The three steps are to confess it, 
Now, the reason why it's important to confess is because when I verbalize something, it makes it real as opposed to it just being a thought. So I confess it to myself. I regret that I did it. And I commit to the future. It doesn't always work out, but it doesn't matter. I did tshuva because at this moment right now, I committed to the future. And that's really the gift that Hashem gives us on Rosh Hashanah. On Rosh Hashanah, we say in our prayers, Hashem judges us ba'asher hu sham, as we are today. So however we are on Rosh Hashanah, doesn't make a difference how I was yesterday or the day after. If I'm legitimately sincere on Rosh Hashanah about what I want to do on Rosh Hashanah, that's what, that's what Hashem is going to look at in totality on Rosh Hashanah. So says the Kajnitzer Magad, yes, the Rambam gives us three steps. However, you have to know where to start. And he says a beautiful idea. He says the way to start doing tshuva, and this is, if, the, if there's one thing that you can walk away with, this really uh, changed how I personally try to do tshuva in my own life. He says the way to do tshuva is not by focusing on your wounds. The way to do tshuva is by focusing on your safety. And this is what he means. The Kajnitzer Magid gives an example of a warrior who's being chased by an enemy and he's already been hit by a few arrows. So he's bleeding, he's hurt, but is he going to stop to tend to himself? No, not till he's in a safe place. Not till he's in... Once you get to a safe place and your life in totality is fine... Then you have time to put on a few bandages, a few band-aids, you can take care of yourself. But a, a Jew cannot walk around during their day or during their, their life, during their preparation for Rosh Hashanah and stop and just start bandaging their wounds and hyper-focusing on our Averis, hyper-focusing on our sins when we're not yet in a place where there's health where there's safety, where there's, where there's stability. Because that's really what security is. I need to make sure I'm in a secure place. This is talking about emotionally. Before I start to clean my wounds of tshuva. But what happens is like this. And I'm now going to change the parable to a parable that we learned together Thursday nights on Bavavi Mishkan Evna. On Zoom, that Bez Hashem, we're, focus- we're going to restart Thursday night after Sukkot. Bez Hashem, again, we'll restart that class Thursday evenings on Zoom. But Bavavi, the, the Sefer Bavavi explains that each one of our lives is a home. Call it a large home, a mansion. So you have the grass in front, you have the garden. It's beautiful. You have a walkway. You enter the home. The be- uh, there's so much. You really, it's like, wow, you walk around and you're like, this is impressive architecture. This is, this is, this is beautiful. And you walk into one of the bedrooms and you hear a big squeal. It's like, what is it? It's a creaky door. It's a creaky door. Is that? Okay, creaky door. So it's a little annoying. So what do you do? You just keep walking around the house. But you know that this creaky door needs to be fixed. But does that, is the whole, what would happen if for the rest of my life, I'm like, oh my gosh, there's a creaky door. Let me stay here and see how long this door creaks. And try to fix it. So you're spraying WD-40, still still squeaking. And you spray more WD-40 and it's still squeaking. And you keep it. Fine. At a certain point you might get it. But by the time you get it, there's 16 other bedrooms that the doors are going to start to squeak. Because they also haven't been used in years. So now you're moving on. to says the Bovavi, 
each, our lives are like a large palatial home where there's, I could guarantee you, each and every one of us just since this morning, from the time we woken up and maybe even fake smiled at somebody when we weren't in the mood and said, oh, and said some blessings and held our tongue when somebody, you know, with whatever it was or decided to be a little more patient. There's a lot of, we've, each of us have done hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of mitzvahs. Did I slip this morning because maybe I said something to my, uh, you know, to my friend that I shouldn't have said? Maybe, uh, you know, a little bit. Yeah, but what happens? We end up hyper-focusing on that creek and we don't appreciate the rest of the palace that exists. You have to, all of our Bali Musr, all of the Musr leaders teach us and it's a very hard thing to, to do. I, I, until like this really became embedded in me, I, I still struggle with it. But it, it, we need to embed this in ourselves and that is, yes, we have a virus, but that can't become... Your focus. My focus is there's so many other things that are going on, which has to do with the positivity of Yehuda. That's the Hoda, the gratefulness, and it has to do with Yehuda stepping forward and realizing I'm not going anywhere. As my grandmother would say, we're the best Hashem has. Yes, there's Shuva. Yeah, there's yeah. Can't ignore it. You can't be uh, you know you, you, you can't be dumb about it. There is Shuva. But th- that when it starts, when I start to allow that to define me and I think about it more than once or maybe you're allowed twice a day, max. Once a day, I'm like, okay, I got something to work on. I hyper-focus on it, I'm just, I'm ruining the rest of the house and that's, that's something that uh, would be a, a ter- uh, it, it's terrible because everything else becomes hurt. You're not gonna perform as many missing, not doing many things, yeah. So, so Rabbi Zanaxalam is asking, isn't there a time and place for everything? The answer is, absolutely, there's a time and place for everything. But here's the time and place. Okay, now, you know, we, we say that the 40 days from the Rosh Chodesh Elul until Yom Kippur are called Yemei Ratzon. They're days of want, where Hashem really wants to come close to us. Does that mean that God's not close to me the rest of the year? No, doesn't mean that. On a person's birthday... Um, it says that they have a unique mazel. They have a unique mazel. People's Hebrew birthdays, they hand out brachas, they hand out blessings, right? Does that mean that you don't have that ability on it? No, but you do. Yet, like you're saying, there's certain times within the both calendar year and time of days as well. There's different watches that Hashem has. The night is divided into three parts, the day is divided into three or four, dispute in the Gemara, um, where there's different... You know, sometimes the mida of judgment is is in control. Sometimes the mida of mercy is in control. So Hashem does run the world um, with when certain midos strengthen and others kind of take a back seat. That's certainly true. The days of Yemei Ratzon is it is from Elul to Yom Kippur is not a day to hyper focus on our sins. It's a day to hyper focus on Ratzon, which means our relationship with Hashem. Hyper-focusing on a sin is not really building the relationship. Right. Did, do you say that every day? No. So some men who say slichos, Sfardim started Rosh Chodesh Elul. Right? Some men who say, the Ashkenazim start, we started last Saturday night, and we say Ashamnu in the mornings. On Rosh Hashanah, we don't. By Yom Kippur, we do. Because there's a time and place for it. But Rosh Hashanah, the, the unique, um, the unique, 
avoda, the unique service of Rosh Hashanah, is actually to realize our dependency on Hashem. It has nothing to do with, you're not supposed to think about your sins. It has nothing to do with it. Rosh Hashanah has nothing to do with sins. Rosh Hashanah is about presenting yourself by, the best way I would personally put it, it's going on a first date. When you go on a first date with somebody, you want to put your best foot forward. And that's what Rosh Hashanah is, is we show up over these two days and we put our best foot forward. And we say, we want this relationship, we want it to happen, here's what it could look like. But it, putting your best foot forward is actually forgetting <laughs> about it. Now, I know it's there, I'm not pretending, I'm not pushing it under the rug, but that's not, it's not near my focus. My focus is, um, how, how can I turn Hashem into the Melech, into, into the King? And building and uh, building the relationship that way. When we get to Yom Kippur, you could do that. You know why? Because we already spent ten days of tshuva, which is closeness coming coming back. Once you spent so much time working on your relationship, you can, you can afford to go back to that and fix that up. And that does need to be fixed up. Again, we're not pushing it under the rug, but that there's a time and place, like we're saying. And Rosh Hashanah is not that time. That's we're going to wait for Yom Kippur. When we have the strength of relationship, you need to have a strong relationship to go back to uh, and to bring up the problems that uh, that should be that should be worked on. Okay. <clears throat> All right. So here we go. Atam nitzavamayol. So Moshe Rabbeinu tells the Klaishol, "Behold, you are standing here today, Kochem, All of you. Nobody was absent. Call Ish Yisrael. Every member of Kal Yisrael was there. Tapchem, the infants, the Sheikhem, the the women, the Gercha, the converts, Asher Machanecha, that are in the camps. Sometimes a Ger is a non-Jew who keeps the seven Noahide laws. So sometimes in the Torah, whenever the Torah used the word Ger, doesn't always mean a convert to Judaism. Sometimes, yeah, but sometimes it means what's called, uh, somebody who's re- we refer to as a Ger Toshav, a, um, uh, a a dwelling convert. Which means um, a non-Jew who's allowed to live within the vicinity of Kaiser because they also believe in Hashem. They're a good Gentile, a good Gentile. So they're also, they're, but that's called a ger toshav, but uh, which is referring to somebody who's actually not Jewish. So this is vegercha shebeker machanecha. This is referring to a convert that's in the camp. They're part of this responsibility. So somebody who actually converted from. The woodcutters to the water drawers, the water carriers were adding this in because already at this point um, there was a group of people. Is a well-known story that comes up in Shas. If you're familiar with a lot of Gemara, you'll have come across a story a number of times. This took place um, uh, just as we were going to enter the land of Israel under under Yehoshua. So. It actually happened twice. One time by Moshe Rabbeinu and again by the time of Yeshua where the, the law was that any Canaanim that were in the land and didn't want to either um, take on the halachos of the seven Noahide laws. So the halacha was we had to get rid of them. They had to either leave or they were going to be killed. And they knew this. So there were groups both in the times of Moshe and the times of Yeshua that they, they came and they tricked. Particularly by the time of, of Yehoshua they were called the Givonim. And what they did was, is they dressed up in clothing that looked like they came from a far, far away place in the far end of the Middle East. 
and they showed up as if they'd been traveling for months. And they said they heard about the giving of the Torah and the splitting of the sea, and they wanted to convert to Judaism. Now, really, they were Canaanim from just across the street uh, that, were, that were coming. And, um, but they pretended like they were from a faraway place. This way, they said they wanted to convert to Judaism, which if they were Canaanim, we would not have allowed that. Um, and Yoshua made a promise with them. He made a treaty, uh, which ultimately was a mistake because they converted out of fear, not out of commitment to Hashem. And it became a whole thing about what do we do with this group now? Um, it became a whole uh, difficult situation. And ultimately what, you, what they chose, what they decided needs to be done is they gave this group of Givonim the jobs of water carriers and woodcutters. They gave them set professions and the regular uh, born Jews or even regular converts were not allowed to intermarry with them because we didn't know their status. So they kind of developed their own community amongst the woodchoppers and water carriers and they kept all the mitzvot because they considered themselves to be Jewish but as far as their influence, we were nervous that their influence would come into the rest of Kal Yisrael. They weren't really genuinely interested in, uh, in their love of Hashem. So they were given this job. So that's why we're adding the Gercha. And also, then we say, from the woodchoppers to the water carriers. Not just professions. There's actually groups of people who are given, uh, who are given these professions. Okay. <coughs> now, one thing that you see from here especially these two verses, is the importance of living in an environment that is conducive for growth. Because we're accepting, we're accepting arevas, we're accepting responsibility for each other, and Moshe gathers us all together. And then he says, you know, we see at the end of the verse, there's groups that shouldn't be there. Not, you have to really be careful in, uh, about the people who we live within uh, close proximity to. The Rambam, really, Paskins, he gives a halachic ruling in the law in Hilchas Deus, in chapter six, Halacha uh, one, the Rambam says it's a very interesting expression. He says it's normal, whatever it's normal. Meaning this is expected. Right? We don't know what normal means anymore because everybody does their own thing now. But this was expected. Common sense says the Rambam is that people should want to live in the vicinity of tzaddikim, and it's normal for people to want to live in a place that's far away from those who are holech b'choshech, those who walk in darkness so that we don't learn from their ways. Says the Rambam, look, look at this verse. Moshe says, you got to make communities. you got to be together. So we're not just random people that happen to live in a proximity of the same area because it happens to be near a shul and I don't drive on Shabbos. So that's why we end up, no, no, no. There's, there's a much greater need to live within a community, to live uh, uh, amongst people who you can have a greater impact from. And my father, when he would quote this, uh, this halacha the Rambam, he would say, you know, the Hasidim have something right. They have something right. You, you, you know, it's incredible. They don't move out unless they move in bunches. They go, there's no more room in, uh, in this section of New York or that section of New York. So what do they do? They get 20 families, 40 families, 500 families, and they flock down to Tampa. And they flock to... They flock to you, do you hear about this? Centerville, Indiana? You know about this? A half hour. I think it's a half hour past Indy. 20 families just set up shop. Satmar families. You, right off the 70. You go off the 70, there's not even a gas station off that exit. Centerville, Indiana. You get off the exit, you make a left, you go uh, two minutes. They have a mikveh. They have a bakery. They have a... There's 20 families. You got, you got fresh cookies cake. Centerville, Indiana. 
Huh? Not yet. Not yet. Huh? They got they got a mikvah and a bakery. I think that's what they have. That's what they have right now. They, they, they got up and they plopped. That's it. We're gonna we're gonna figure this out, right? I think I think the the name of the town is called Sunterville. Okay, but but what's the idea? They're not. Uh, other people do it differently. Chabad they go off on their own. They're gonna go. They're gonna find the Jews and bring them close. They're gonna go do this. But in this, the Rambam saying ultimately that we should be learning from this pasuk the importance of being amongst each other, growing with each other, developing with each other. And by the way, what that means is also at the same time, a community is responsible to be a growing one. That's it. Because sometimes you can come together and it's not healthy. So you have to make sure it's a healthy place that people can come together and, um, and grow within. Okay. What's the purpose of all this? The purpose is that we should all be guarantors on each other to come under the covenant of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. In order so that Hashem says, I want, I, I want you as my people. I want you as my nation. And He will be for you a God as well. Isn't that the same thing? If God says, I want, to be, I want you to be a people and I will be for you a God. It seems to be the same thing. I want to share something. I don't know if this is true. There's going to be other... There's, there's real answers. I want to share something that's my own feeling. And that is... I just know this from Yeshiva. And it took me a little bit to develop... Uh, to learn this idea. It's very easy... Not very easy. It's easier... To say that somebody is my mentor... My Rebbe... My role model... Then... If the role model themselves say... I am their student. There's a big difference. I can say, I can say, I learned by Rav Nassim Sri Finkel. He was my Rashiv in the mirror. Psh, sounds really hush, right? Psh, wow. If Rav Nassim Sri would be here and you were to ask him, is Menachem Tender your Talmud? I don't know what he would answer. Understand? Sometimes we use people as like our excuse to feel good and say, that's my Rebbe. That's my name. And I learned this when somebody said this actually about, I, this, somebody says about my father. And this guy has nothing to do with my father. Nothing whatsoever. Z- like zilch. Not even close. Somebody who like lives in their own world, very narcissistic, very doing their own thing. Very. He's like, yeah, like, your father like changed my life and he's my Rebbe. Eh? I was like, if my father would be here, <laughs> would he say, would he look at this person with pride and say, yeah, that's a student I developed? I don't know. I don't know. But it was like this, this epiphany, like this light bulb went off, like this applies to me too. This applies to me too. Like, yes, I can be part of God's people, when Hashem on his end also says, yeah, 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 yeah. You're, you're somebody I take pride in. That's next level. That's next level. You could be part of a people and then God says, oops, yeah, I'm, I'm her. I'm her father. I'm her God. That's Hashem. That's, you know what I mean? That's, you're hearing from, uh, you're hearing from, the, from the, the very power itself. And that's, that's beyond uh, you know, uh, it's beyond beautiful. It's a, it's a wonderful thing. And like Hakadosh Baruch Hu swore 
to Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. And not only is this bris going to happen in this generation, but this is going to happen for all generations, both those who are standing here today and those that are not standing here today, all later generations, everybody's included in this covenant. Now, why is this so important? So very often we find in the Torah, we've had the positive, but then it's very important to warn us about the negative. It's very important to, right? Positive, positive. But you also have to know what happens if not. So Hashem says through, the, through Moshe in the Torah. So Moshe is speaking to Klaisro. We're now up to verse six, uh, 15. You know everything that we saw in Egypt and all the nations that we passed through in the desert. You've seen this. We're not blind. And I want to focus on this Pasuk. And this is going to take us a little bit. We'll probably end with this. Verse 16. You saw their shikutsim. Let's translate it like art scroll. We, you saw their idols. You ever heard of shkutsim? Shkutsim. Shkutsim um, are creepy, crawly creatures. That's what it literally means. Shkutsim baramasim are like creepy, crawly creatures. Okay? So, however, here we're using creepy, crawly creatures as idols. So, you saw their, their shikutsayim, their idols, the ace gilulehem, and their detestable idols. Now, gilulehem, shikutsayim, also is translated as creepy called the creatures. Gilulehem is actually, in a different context, would be excrement. Okay? When a person goes to the bathroom, okay? It's called gilulehem. Over here, we're using Gilulayim as detestable idols. Moses says, you saw their shkotzim, you saw their shkutzayim, ves Gilulayim, you saw that they were eights, they were wood, even stone, right? So you have all these statues made out of wood and stone, let's say made in China on bottom. Kesef, silver, bizahav, gold, asheri mohem, that they kept with them. This is what, this is what they had with you. Maybe there's somebody amongst you, a person, a man or a woman, a family, an entire tribe, who wants to turn away and maybe has a rotten root inside of all of, you know, inside of all of the Avodah uh, Hashem. You got to make sure it doesn't happen. You got to make sure there's no rotten roots over here. Let's go through. This is incredible. Yanko Galinsky passed away just a few years ago. Tremendous, tremendous tzaddik. He was a big maggid in Eretz Yisrael. He went through World War II. There's a whole biography on him and countless sfarim that are being, that, that in Hebrew that are published of his Torah, and now they started putting it out in English. It, it, just to read his biography is incredible. It, it's, it's so incredible, Musar Sefer, of the, both the unending uh, love that somebody can have for HaKadosh Baruch Hu. He was, uh, uh, let's not even talk. See, let, let's see how he reads this passage. Says Rabbi Uncle Galinsky. Let's go back and read the verse. Batiru es You saw their shikutseyam. Okay, what is shikutseyam? You saw their disgusting things. Says it, Bianco Galinsky, when, so, when we see something wrong in the world for the first time, what happens? <coughs> Disgusting. <laughs> How can you do this? It's gross. Right? Then, if we allow it, now we're talking about here, we're not dealing with people because we know that we hate the sin, not the sinner. Okay? So, as the Gemara teaches us. So, we're referring to ideology. What happens with ideology is vatiru eshikutseim. We find this ideology out there like that is that's creepy. That's shkutsim. That's ich. That's not doing me. That's gross. 
And then, if you hang around it long enough, it becomes gilu lehem. What happens when you see a kid makes in a diaper? Number two, right? What happens? You go get the mother or father to go change the, the baby. Yeah, I'm not really interested. Now, it smells. I don't want to go near there. But you realize it's part of life. Part of life. person has to go to the bathroom. Go to the bathroom. That's it. As I is. Is it something enjoyable? No. Fine, enjoyable. You don't enjoy the smells. You don't enjoy the sight. But it's reality. So it's fine. It is what it is. That's what happens. You have an ideology first as she could say And then it becomes, eh, fine. It is what it is. It's not nice. It's not a nice thing. But it's part of life. It's here to stay. And then it becomes eights for Evan. You walk down the street, you see a broken branch. You see some stones. Is it a pretty sight? It's not a pretty sight. But hey, it's part of my daily walk. There's stones on the street. There's twigs on the street. It's fine. And then what happens, says Bianco Galinsky, if you allow this to keep creeping up, it becomes kesef v'zahav. It becomes silver and gold. Ah, you know what? That is something really... About time I realized this is something you really need to respect. This is something that's so valuable to, for society today. This is something that the world needs to hear. Hey, what, a, what, a, what a wonderful thing. Asher imahem, the verse ends off. Asher imahem means that is within you. Before you know it, okay, so I'm, I'm part of the same thing. I'm, I'm my personally going out and spreading this type of thing to the world. It becomes part, it becomes a part and parcel of who we are. And this is going back as well to what we started out with the Rambam of the importance of living and it's normal to want to live in a society of righteous people. Because when we're living a society, right, this verse is not a negative, it's a negative verse, so to speak, right? But it's not, it's not knocking anybody. The Torah is telling us reality. It's reality. And it, you know, this has to be reality, otherwise we can't function. If, if a person would be so disgusted the whole day by so many things, you'd, have, you'd be a terrible person. You'd be a terrible person. You're just walking around, <laughs> negative. Nobody wants to be around you. No, nobody needs this. Not only that, your neshama would be, so to speak, dead. David HaMelech calls the neshama covered. We say this in the morning, right before Baruch Shammar, there's a paragraph called Mizmar Shir Liyom HaShabbos, uh, not Mizmar Shir, uh, Mizmar Shir Chanukah Sabayis Ladav. Right? And how does, what's the last Pasuk end off? We say, says David HaMelech, Lema'an yizamercha chavod velo yidom. So that my kavod will sing out to Hashem and I won't be silent. Hashem elokai liolam odem. Ah, Hashem, my God, I will always thank you. Who's going to sing out? Lema'an yizamercha kavod. The kavod's going to sing. Look in the article. Has the article translated kavod? My soul. David HaMelech calls the soul kavod because when people don't respect anything, it's like their soul's not alive. There's no vibrancy. You know how you know if somebody's really vibrant? If they know how to respect things. If they view things positively, there's, there's, there's real uh, awareness to the beauty that exists around the world. And this, Tony, uh, to me, this is a pretty heavy just beginning of our parsha. I don't know, the just me to over here. To me, there's a, it's, it's an avod. Because we're not saying there's not difficult things that's going on. No, there are difficult things that are going on. Yet at the same time, because there's difficult things that go on, there is something I can do about it. And what I can do is make sure that I take responsibility for myself and others who I can impact to ensure that those outside forces don't become 
normal and take the place of what really is normal, which is wanting to live amongst the righteous, wanting to live amongst people that are, uh, you know, that are living in a way where, where they're at least representing the right thing. Okay, we're at 1.30. We'll hold it here for now. Any questions, thoughts, comments? Yeah. Yeah.